Well, good morning, everyone. Guys, good to see you today. Those who don't know me, my name's David Gadini, pastor here on staff. Just want to thank you so much for coming to be a part of our worship experience this morning. And, uh, and, and whether you're here the first time or have been here for the 20 years or 22 years this church has been in existence, if you have any questions or we could give you any help in your spiritual journey, please come and find me after the service or email me. We'd love to kind of help you navigate that path and figure things out along the way. All this school year, we're hoping to take you on a journey through learning more about this, this, this elusive, amazing, mysterious, powerful, absolutely needed aspect of God called His Spirit or the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God. And each week we're hoping to take you into a selection of, of ways that the Bible talks about it, that Jesus talks about it, that the prophets and the apostles would talk about Him and how He's working in our life and, and how to recognize Him when He shows up and why we need Him and how to partner with Him and, and what a Spirit-centered life looks like. And I'm going to take you to a passage today. It's probably one of the most classic that you'll find in the Bible. It's John chapter 3. I invite you to follow along with me if you'd like or just tune in and remember well. John chapter 3. And it's one of these amazing spirit-laced passages where Jesus makes an incredible distinction between the spiritual life and the Holy Spirit because they are not the same thing. Let me read to you. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you were a teacher who has come from God, for nobody could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born. Do you know the next word? Again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born. Again. And let's use another set of translations. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born from above. The word is anathen. Can you say anathen today? Now you know it. Anathen. Do you know what anathen means? Again. Or from above. <laughs> Which one is it? You must be born anathen. Which one is it? Because the answer to that question, of course, has high stakes. Let me keep reading. Nicodemus replies, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. But Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. And note this, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born anothen, 
The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asks. You're Israel's teacher, Jesus replies, and you don't get this? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still, you people don't accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things. How then will you believe if I speak to you of, and he says, heavenly things? Might I say, spiritual things? Because fundamentally, what Jesus seems to be saying is that if you want to have a spiritual life, you have to be born of the Spirit. And that you will never understand spiritual things until you are actually born anothen of the Spirit. The spiritual life and the Holy Spirit are different things. And let me explain to you what I mean. Growing up, it was not popular in my generation for people to describe themselves as spiritual. People didn't put that out there or think of themselves that way. In fact, as I remember in the 80s, people thought of themselves very materialistically. If anything was in vogue, it was atheism. To call yourself spiritual would have branded you somehow as some either kind of Jesus freak or just flat out kind of eccentric weird. But today, I mean, you're far pressed to meet a single human being who doesn't want to think of themselves as spiritual. You'll see it in popular culture. You'll see it in TV. You'll see it in movies. We think about that selves. I bet each and every one of us listening today at some level wants to be thought of as spiritual. We value the spiritual. We think of the spiritual side of our, of our makeup, of who we are as being important. People today, I find in my experience, and hopefully it's true, maybe it is, want spiritual things. In fact, to go so far that if you don't call yourself spiritual or if someone asks if you're spiritual, it almost seems to indicate that you're just like a kind of like a crass materialist. You're just egocentric. You're just involved in getting ahead and what you can do for yourself. And have you noticed that that doesn't really gain or garner a lot of popularity these days? But no, if you're deep, if you're sensitive, if you're in tune with yourself and your feelings, if there is a certain sense of curiosity and searching of the things beyond, this seems to be far more elevated today than at least it did in my generation. Might you agree? I don't know. But what I do know is that there is distinction in the Bible between what we tend to think of as spiritual today and what Jesus is talking about with the Spirit of God, because the Holy Spirit is not the same thing. Your spirit, and you have one, let me assure you, you have one, you have a spirit, is not God's spirit. And the things that you feel, 
that you want, that you sense, that we try to kind of tap and tune into, is not the same as the Spirit of God. I'm not saying they're diametrically opposed. I'm not saying they can't coexist. But I think we make a grave mistake when we equate one with the other. An emotional high. Have you ever gotten one? You're singing a song you like. You're in a certain experience. The mood is right. The lights is right. The energy of the room is set. There's a certain groundswell that starts to happen. And then a verse hits in a song and it captures you, right? And you feel lifted up. You feel in tune. You feel alive. You feel excited. You want to seek God in that place. Can I submit to you today that that's not necessarily the Holy Spirit? You receive stunning insight. You've been stuck, constipated to the mind, and you can't get this kind of worked out, and then inspiration hits. It has the very word spirit in it. And it comes, and oh, thanks be to God, the spirit has revealed to me. Can I submit to you that maybe he didn't? It is so easy in our day and age to equate the spiritual aspect of who we are with the Holy Spirit. Everyone has a spirit. But Jesus is talking about something very different and says, he says, I tell you the truth. You're not going to understand even what I'm saying to you if you haven't received the Holy Spirit. And you certainly won't even be able to see the kingdom of God or be a part of the kingdom of God unless you are born of him Because there is something from above, not from within, that we so desperately need to be what Jesus talks about as true spiritual beings. If you want to be spiritual, I applaud you in that. Seek that and pay attention to that. But there will come a time when seeking what is within will only take you so far. And you will realize that there is something without, something utterly different, transcendent, as Jesus will say, anothen, that we so desperately need to be spiritual. It's fascinating. It's been discovered more and more that most people don't think that way. Most people don't believe that way. Most Christians don't believe in that way. And most Christians, many Christians who even call themselves born again Christians, playing literally off John 3, don't think that way. I want to read you an article from Barna. If you don't know who Barna is, well, look him up. It's the stat that interests me. This is from an article entitled, Most Adult U.S. Christians Don't Believe the Holy Spirit is Real. The study shows, in general, that while a majority of America's self-identified Christians, including many who identify as evangelical or born again, believe that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and is the creator of the universe, more than half 
reject a number of biblical teachings and principles, including the existence of the Holy Spirit. Strong majorities also errantly believe that all religious faiths are of equal value, people are basically good, and that people can use acts of goodness to earn their way to heaven. The study further shows that majorities consider feelings, experience, or the input of friends and family as their most trusted sources of moral guidance. And that having faith matters more than which faith you pursue. Some 62% of self-identified born, again, Christians, contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. Another 61% say that all religious faiths are of equal value. 60% that if a person is good enough and does enough good things, they can earn their way to heaven. All these challenge a world view. It goes on. How about you? It's easy to talk about spiritual things and assume that the Spirit of God that's talked about by Jesus in the Bible is one and the same, but Jesus gives a very different picture. There is a God, and he is separate from us, a God who is transcendent, above, if you will, and he's been revealed in different ways as a father who takes care of us as a father should, who loves us and nurtures us and and runs the family, if you will. His son, the one we call by the name Jesus, who has taken his place in his father's footstep and sits on the father's throne that has been handed over to him, ruling over this thing he calls the kingdom. But there's a third, more elusive player that pops up on the Bible everywhere, but always kind of flirting behind the scene called the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and manifest in all different kinds of ways and always identified as a very separate, individual, personal aspect of God and being. And we are in such desperate need of that spirit. Jesus himself says it. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born from an offend. You can't be a part of the kingdom of God unless you're born of the spirit. There is something outside of us and not within that we need to be true spiritual beings. Let me show you how Paul plays this out. I want to read to you one more passage today. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and the whole thing is worth reading in your own time. But I want to jump in to a very select passage, starting at around verse 10. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Can I ask, wouldn't you like to see? 
to hear and to conceive what God has prepared for you? Were you here with us this summer? I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Some of you, wouldn't you like to even know that? And now that that's been revealed, wouldn't you know it to know what that looks like? To perceive, to hear, to see. But, but Paul says, quoting, quoting from Isaiah, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who loved him. But then look at how Paul follows it. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. There are things that we will never see, hear, or conceive by our own reason or strength. But God's spirit, God's spirit, he says, has revealed it. He goes on, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among people knows the thoughts of a person except the man's or woman's spirit within him, right? Who knows you better than you? Who knows what's going on inside you, what's going on inside your mind better than you? Your spirit knows you better than anyone. Well, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. It makes sense. Would you agree? And then he drops this line. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given. What we have received. I like that word, receive. It kind of takes us out of the equation a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, sure, maybe we say thankful. Maybe we, we, we welcome it warmly. But, but it is not by our searching. It is not by our introspection. It is not by our meditation. It is not by getting in tune if we only did more. No, what we have received is something far different. The Spirit of God, that God pours out His Spirit from above, Jesus says. To give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to conceive that which we would be blinded to without it. We need the Spirit of God. God pours out Himself. He pours out Himself upon us to give us new life, new birth, again, or from above. To be part of the kingdom of God. Without him, we'd never find it. We need the spirit of God. The spirit of God, let me say again, is not simply what we often in knee-jerk fashion call spiritual today. And with no value judgment meant on what we call spiritual today, I simply say, God offers something different. God offers something more. And the key, if I can speak that way, the key to a life with God, the key to all things spiritual, are not in this stuff that we've called the spiritual life today, but in Him. Seeking him over our emotions, seeking him 
over our will, seeking him over our mind, seeking him over our influence, seeking him over what feels right, seeking him over all these things that we have attached to the spiritual life. And that is simply Jesus' invitation to each of us today to seek his spirit, to receive his spirit, to walk with his spirit, to experience that transformation that comes about by his spirit, that transformation that only he can give. It's one more piece of who this elusive, strange, mysterious, present, real, and transcendent God called Spirit is. So today we commune in Him. And we seek Him in this meal that we're about to eat. I want to invite you to rise. I just want to invite you to pray with me. Even so, come. We sing, Lord Jesus, come. But until that day, Lord, we pray, even so, come. O Spirit of God, come. Come and fill this place. Come and surround us. Come and convict us. Encourage us and lead us. God, may we stand before you today acknowledging our dependency on you for spiritual things, for spiritual life, for life with you. Give us rebirth, a birth again from above. Make us new. Transform us in this place. to be people who find their very life, their very breath, centered and rooted and identified in you. Wash away our sins. Cleanse us of guilt. Lead us deeper to life in your kingdom. gather us together in unity. Strengthen us now, we pray, and come to us. Because God, you know what the road is not always easy. We need you. We want you. And we ask for your presence and your infilling. Now, in this place.
Amen. Go ahead and pray this with me, okay? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. Holy Spirit, call me by the gospel. Enlighten me with your gifts. Sanctify and keep me in the true faith. Call, gather, enlighten, and sanctify the whole Christian church on earth. Keep us with Jesus Christ and the one true faith. In this Christian church, forgive all my sins and those of all believers. On the last day, raise me and all the dead. Give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body. It's given for you. He took a cup after supper. He gave thanks. He gave it to them and said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Come and do this in remembrance of me. Welcome. Welcome to the table of the Lord.